Amen. All right, grab your Bibles. Let's get back into 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Um, we missed you last week. I'm just going to say that. I know we had to do online, but our parking lot was still about two or three inches deep in ice, um, so we couldn't risk you. And um, so I, think, I appreciate y'all's attendance online. I think we had great engagement, and that, that makes me happy that you Jesus that you, you still dialed in. Today, I want to go back and finish what we started. Um, I, I'll just say the past weeks have been a really difficult time in our lives. I know many people this week, I've been on the phone with them, a lot of text messages. Wade and I were texting, not about anybody individually last night, but he was just saying, brother, my phone's been blowing up all day. There are people going through it. Marriage is under attack. There's a lot of, a lot of battle. I firmly believe there's a reason why. I think in, in one of them is we're taking steps towards God in faith. Number two, we got a ladies' conference coming up with about 100 ladies going to attend this Friday. And can I just say this? I might be out of bounds here, um, but there, it, it is not too late to attend. We will not say no. And if you're, if you're a visitor and you're like, well, I'd like to go, but I haven't signed up, just show up. Um, they got the times. Libby will meet you right by this table um, and, and give you some information right after this. But we're just looking for God to, to bring the ladies to the table and feed them there. And that's what the whole conference is about. So if you're not going, can you be praying over that? I think that's going to be a great opportunity for our ladies to get renewed and refreshed. Um, I watch my wife work circles around me daily. Um, she's the stronger one. And a lot of the things we're able to do in ministry is because of her sacrifice. A lot of the battles we face in our life, she takes head on. I work outside the home and she takes on autism head on. She takes on raising children head on. And I think sometimes as men, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'll speak for myself, I won't speak for you. We lose sight of everything that our spouses do. And, and I, I'm excited about this. I, I'm going to be a little bit selfish. I'm praying for her um, that she gets a renewal in this. She's actually speaking at it, so she's almost thrown up about 20 times um, in preparation. I keep getting this text saying I'm going to puke. And I'm like, okay, all right. And uh, I don't know whether she's sick or what's going on, but, you know, I, I, I always like this. One thing my mom told me a long time ago that's always stuck with me. Um, I remember when I first started pastoring, I called her and I said, I don't know why it is, but every time I get up to speak, I get so nervous that I feel like I'm going to throw up. Um, it's one of the reasons I can't stand still in a sermon. It's one of the reasons I have to move around. It's just, it's not, you know, public speaking is not my favorite thing. And uh, then speaking on God's behalf, that's a heavy load. And so I'll never forget my mom saying, okay, son, I'm going to pray that you never lose that. And I'm like, what? She's like, I'm just going to pray that you always stay reliant on God. And that you realize that you can't take the stage without him. And so I'm praying that my wife stays nauseous, all right? So that's what we're doing, all right? But um, I, I'm excited to see what God does there. Um, through this, I, 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 wanna, I want you to bring your mindset to, to this passage. Two weeks ago, we talked about now. Get rid of your bitterness now. Settle your resentment now. Say the things that need to be said now. Uh, if anything, I will say I've been a little bit more bold this week than I normally am. I'm trying to not let my emotions get into that boldness. Because I am emotionally right now on a roller coaster. How many of you have ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. You know what I mean? Uh, we would call that emotionally unstable. I think the world looks at it and it says, oh, you're crazy. And it's just like, no, I think crazy is pretending you don't have that. I think sometimes being strong is saying, without Christ, I'm totally weak. But in my weakness, he's strong. And so in there, I don't think it's an accident that we're brought back to this passage. Because all honesty, what we're about to read, Paul's about to describe his hardships. 
Some of the things that he's been through. Matter of fact, in chapter 5 is the pressed, but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, you know, uh, struck down, but not destroyed. We actually sing a song about that in Trading My Sorrows, you know. Um, but the thing that we are seeing is Paul's really trying to get the church of Corinth to wake up. And he's, he's saying, hey, look, look, I, I want you to trust what God is doing in our lives. He is in a post-crucified Jesus, risen Savior church culture that really wants to believe in sacrifices still and he's preaching that Jesus is risen savior and your salvation normally does not come from your temple or from your works anymore it comes from God he is literally preaching a very uncool unpopular message and is getting beaten and getting rejected and getting left out to dry now I'm going to say this and I want you to understand it please get it through your heads the more you become like Christ the more the world will not accept who you are all right, now that doesn't mean you get this chip on your shoulder that you're walking around thinking you're like the Terminator that can just take out anybody that disagrees with you. That is not it. But if you're saying, well, why is it that people don't like to talk to me? Why is it that people don't want to hear my message? Because the truth is we're living in a world that wants a relationship with God that's casual but doesn't want an intimate relationship with God. And when you get intimate with God and God and you start reflecting each other, you're going to have some hardship. You're going to have some rejection. But we're living in a world also that, that makes excuses. And let's not talk about the world. Let's talk about the church. We make excuses for why we can't worship, why we can't praise, why we can't go to church, why we can't do these things. And a lot of times those excuses are based on the behaviors of someone else. I mean, the number one thing I hear is I don't go to church because there are hypocrites there. And I always joke, I tell y'all every time I say that, I always say we will welcome another, right? Like, come on, we, 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 will, we will allow you in because, yes, there are times we want to be, but we're not. There's times we want to be like Christ, but we're not. There's times we, we want to say the nice thing, but our flesh gets in the way and what doesn't need to be said comes out or what needs to be said comes out in the wrong tone. Are, are, are you with me? Come on, I'm not the only guilty person in the, all right, I'm not the only one in need of Jesus today. But Paul comes in and he says this word that really stands out to me, and we'll get to it in just a second. He said, our proof is this. And so I, I, I want to I preach a sermon today, and if God lets me get through it, it'll be one. If not, we might break this into two, but what's called the proof? What is the proof or the evidence in your life? What shows that God is real in your life? Going to church does not prove you love Jesus. All right, because I, I, okay, I've had a, a, a season of my life where I wasn't in the right place with my alcoholism in my early 20s, and I would go to church, and then I would go to the bar, and the same people I went to church with would go get wasted with me. Are you following this? Now you're saying, are you preaching against drink, uh, drinking? I'm saying I would get drunk, and that's where the Bible says it's wrong. And, and, and here we'd be on Sunday saying God is everything, but at that season of my life, the bottle was everything. When, when I was hurting, it was the bottle. When I was mad, it was the bottle. When I celebrated, it was cheers. It was the bottle. And everything I needed to heal me emotionally, I thought I could find in the bottom of a bottle. And you would drink till it was dry. You would drink till it was gone. You would order another till you couldn't feel anymore or until you became funny enough, which by the way, if you're ever the sober one around drunk people, they're not funny, but they think they are. And you think, hey, I'm, I'm this great personality. I'm this great person. And in all actuality, you're turning to a substance to try to make you something instead of turning to the creator who made you something. 
And, and, and all of a sudden, we're, we're going back and Sunday morning is, yes, we love Jesus. Monday morning is, he's not good enough for me. And I'm telling you now, I feel like that has happened a lot throughout history of church, not just in our lifetime. It's, it's been there. It's not a new thing. Uh, matter of fact, you saw the people in the Bible, right? They would offer their sacrifices or they would offer their offerings and they'd make sure everybody knew about it. You remember Ananias and Sapphira who, who acted like they gave, they sold all their stuff and they're like, we're going to give everything to the Lord and they weren't and they, they, they came into the temple and they were all braggy about what they were given but lying about what was in their offering and what happened to both. They, were, they died that day in church. Why? Because the pretending, and I, I, I'm going to tell you this right now, pretending is destroying you spiritually, mentally, emotionally. It's destroying your relationships. You can only pretend so long until you have no energy left to give. The real you will come out. How many of you remember this statement? Maybe, maybe you can, we're in the South. Surely you can get this one. The proof is in the, hey, there you go. It's in the pudding. Now, I have no idea what that means because I don't cook. But I would like to assume that they're saying a good cook shows up in the product. Agreed? I can tell you all day long, I'm a good cook. I'm the best. I can have the, the prettiest utensils. I can have the greatest pots and pans, whatever you call that, cookware. I'm already exposing myself. I can have the best recipes. I mean, I literally could make it look like I am a chef. But let me put it all together and serve it to you, and you're going to find out if I'm good or not. Agree or disagree? I think a lot of times you can come in here and you can pretend. And a lot of times we do. You can put a mask on and act like everything's okay. You can throw your hands up and worship and act like everything's okay. But the proof comes out in how we are in our behaviors, our language, and the things that we do beyond it. And Paul gives this extensive list of here is the proof. So if you want to prove where you are, I think we take Paul's proof and we start examining our lives and saying, are these ingredients actually a part of who we are? And if not, let's work on how do we get this better? So read this with me if you would, starting in verse number three. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships of calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. Number one thing. Ready? Write it down. That shows the proof of Christ in your life. Consistency. Consistency. Now, he, he hits three different ways here. He's consistent in the way he lives. We don't want anybody to stumble. He's consistent in the way that he ministers. We want to get the good news out. And he's consistent in difficult circumstances. When things are hard, we've been beaten. That's the first three verses. Go back to verse number three. He's saying, hey, I, I, I'm showing you this. We live this way because we don't want anybody to stumble. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've not always been perfect at this. I've made people stumble in my life. How many of you say me too? 
Hey, how do you keep from making people stumble? Hey, you don't trip them up. You don't, you don't live false lives. You don't have false identities. You're honest. You're open. You're true in who you are. You, you try to live peaceably with everybody. You don't point out judgment and condemnation. You, you, you literally pull out the hope that is in Jesus Christ. Hey, how do we help people not stumble? Is number one, we don't fall. All right, can I say this? Stay clean. Yeah, are you going to stay perfect? No. But when you do get dirty, go get a shower in the love of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he offers. When it does get nasty, go get it right. Be honest, be open, be real, get clean. It's easy to trip over something that's on the ground. So don't be the person on the ground in front of the people you're leading. How many of you got it? Say got it. Hey, be real with your kids. Tell them you're not perfect. Don't just have a list of what they can't do at 16 and not tell them that you can't do it because I did do it and be honest with what you did. You don't have to be graphic, by the way. We're not saying be totally graphic. We're just saying be real. Hey, mom and dad did this before they were married and it caused some issues. Don't do it. If we're just commanders of what not to do, then they never see an example. They always see a dictator, and we need somebody that shows us love. I'm glad that the Bible uses this language about Jesus. Not only was he perfect, but in order to die for sin, he could not remain perfect. Did Jesus sin? Yes or no? No. But the Bible says, he became sin, who knew no sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God. God's back turning on Jesus was more than just a father's heart broken over the mutilation of a son. It was not being able to look on what he represented as all sin was poured on him. As the Bashans of hell, they, 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 they gnawed on his body. He was sin for us. And God and Jesus cannot be in the same place as sin. And so when Jesus became sin, the earth grows dark. God turns his back. The rock rent, the earthquakes, and there is separation. You know why that had to happen? Because that is hell. And on that cross, he took hell. He took the separation from us to God away so that you and I would never have to experience a separation from him. So understand this as we're looking at this and we're realizing that God loves us so deeply, we got to realize that he became sin, but he didn't stay sinful. That's a good thing. He died for our sins, but was raised three days later. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives where, church? Hey, and I say, in me. Say it. In me. If you're a child of God, it's in you. I mean, I, I love this. I don't have to sit here and say, Holy Spirit, come down. I just need to sit here and say, Holy Spirit, sit me down so what you want to do in my life will come out. Holy Spirit, have freedom, have reign, convict, humble, hey, correct, discipline, do what you need to do. I don't want to stumble because when I stumble, others stumble too. I say, hey, so get back up. The godly will stumble seven times, but they get back up. Is that the proverb? So understand that. Going beyond that is how do we keep from stumbling is... We, we stay transparent. I mean, we show weakness. The worst thing you can do for your employees, worst thing you can do for your boss, worst thing you can do in church, worst thing you can do for your family, just put it, worst thing you can do for any relationship you have is to pretend you have no weakness. I mean, how many of you have ever watched the ball game where there, there's somebody that's trying to be a hero? And you gotta love their dedication and their passion. But what I mean is they get injured. And now they're no longer 100%. 
A quarterback twists an ankle that's on the plant foot that he needs to throw. And, and, and instead of allowing a coach to take him out of the game, he'll stay in the game less than 100% trying to win and prove because he believes his ability is the only way possible. Are you with me? Come on. And next thing you know, his entire team's hindered. The ball starts falling short, going off track, because he's not 100% himself. Best thing he can do is go sit on the bench and let next man up in. You know why? Because there's times in our lives that you can't be 100%. And if you're always pretending you're 100%, eventually you're going to be 0% totally drained with nothing left to give. There needs to be a time of healing in our lives sometimes. There needs to be a time that we... Listen, we, we are going through a season of hardship in our, 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 our church, and, and not because we got division, but because, man, we're under attack. Every ministry we have right now is under outside attack trying to get in. You know why I, I, I kind of hate that and love it at the same time is because if we're fighting Satan, we're going to meet Satan on a daily basis. If we're going with him, we're not going to find him. Now, understand this. I don't like it. It, it drains me. In our personal life, it's been war this year. The things that we've been through, loss of a baby on the first day of the year, loss of my father eight days later. You know, it's just one thing after another. But you know what? We're standing here not because we are strong, but we are going to be consistent in what we believe even when things are hard. We're going to stand on what we believe even when inside things are rocky. But there are certain areas of ministry right now and certain areas of my business right now that I'm deferring. You know why? Because I'm too emotional to take certain things on. How many of you have ever acted on your emotions? I would love a testimony of how that worked out. Anybody say it didn't? Yeah. It did, just not the way you wanted it to. Certain conversations I'm trying to keep quiet. Literally, even on a Monday night, it's like, hey, I really think I need to leave right now because my, my head's not on right, but it ended up bringing a calm, and then we were able to have a conversation and do different things because sometimes planning stuff isn't easy. And, and I don't trust right now that I'm going to have emotional consistency. I can hear a song and be in tears. I can smell a smell and be flat on the floor. I, I, I can be happy one day celebrating heaven and full of regret in the next minute. You say, why are you telling us this? Because just because you're weak doesn't mean that you sway on what you believe or what you're called to. It just means that you learn your limitations. Sometimes we make people stumble because we're playing injured instead of going to the healer. And that's the truth. We got an injured ankle spiritually and we're trying to keep going. And so, hey, sometimes we hear we're going to stumble because of bad behavior. No, sometimes you stumble because you just need Jesus and you need some cuddle and you need some coddle and you need some words of God flowing through your spirit and flowing through your life. Sometimes you don't need to be the one talking. You need to be the one listening. Can anyone relate and say amen to that today? Amen. amen. Yeah. Because sometimes we make people stumble and we would never do that. What is it they say? You hurt the persons that are closest to you? The persons that care the most, you take your bad days out on your children and the people in your home that had nothing to do with your bad day, don't, don't cause them to stumble. Um, our, our counselor is talking about comforting words, right? Comforting words. Sounding like, um, you know, remember last week or two weeks ago, we talked about skunks and turtles and skunks stink it up and spray when they're mad and turtles go into the shell and normally couples have one of each. I met a couple this past week that said we're kind of both. You know, and it's like, all right, that's cool. Just don't be both at the same time, all right? 
But the thing is, is what we, we relate even to that couple is, hey, um, comforting words sound like this. I don't really want to talk right now because what I'm going to say is going to be bad, but I'm not leaving you and our relationship's not over. I just need to step away. I need to step into the bathroom and I don't need you to follow me. Now, how many of us could have a lot less regret if we learned where to pause the conversation and say, I'm getting too hot and too heated. Now, we just learned this about three weeks ago. So to say that we're good at it is not true. But to say that it's something that needs to be in the mind and put into practice, absolutely. How many of you can honestly say at some point of your life, whether it be through your actions or your sins or whether through your emotions and your feelings, that you've caused others to stumble? Would you slip your hand up? All right, now make it aware. Hey, listen, the proof of Christ is to say, I don't want to trip you. I don't want to trip you. So I've got to know who I am. I've got to know that I'm right with God, and I've got to watch out for weaknesses and weak days and weak areas, and I've got to know where to run. I've got to have a refuge, and God is that refuge. We taught our teenagers this past week on the Psalm, I think it's 119, where it's talking about your word is a lamp to my feet. And, 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 and actually, let's go to this verse. This is the one we use. How shall a young man stay pure or cleanse his life? Ready? By taking heed to the word of God. And what I taught them is, if you read the Bible in a study mindset, you'll see that David writes seven things he does to keep the Word of God in his mind right after that. And he goes through that list, and he praises, he recites out loud, he does all these things, seven things that he does to keep God's Word hidden in your heart. Have you found this to be true? Just because you heard it or you read it doesn't actually even mean that you got it. If, okay, let me, ladies. How many of you will agree with me that just because you said it to him and just because you thought he heard it doesn't mean he got it? Amen to that? That's right. I tell my wife all the time, if my eyes are not on you when you're talking, my ears aren't either. If I'm staring at a ball game and you're telling me something, I'm never going to remember it. And now I'm getting to a stage of life where I can't remember anything anyway. So now it's take notes and put it in calendars and write it down and... I know some of you are saying, oh, I, I'm not saying I'm old enough I can't remember. I just got too much on the mind. How's that? Yeah, yeah there you go. All right. I'll let, I'll let you old people have your loss of memory. All right? Y'all came at me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not looking. All right, here we go. Let's go back. Let's go back. I got to dig out of that hole. All right, let's get it. Consistency. Are you consistent in the way you live, the way you minister? Ministry says this. I'm still going to give the gospel even on hard days. I'm still going to believe in God even on weekdays. You know, I, I asked my wife this question. Give my moments. Uh, we were driving down the road coming back um, from, I think, the funeral. Or actually, no, we were coming back from the date when I found out that my dad was dead. And I asked her, I said, do you really think heaven's real? Do you ever have moments you doubt it? And she said, no, because I've decided what I believe. And I'm telling you right now, that's a very real statement. At some point, you make the decision on what you believe, and it becomes unwavering. You dig your roots in because there's going to be dark days. you got to believe that the sun is still shining on the other side of storm clouds. you got to believe that there's hope on the other side of the Jordan River, of the, the raging seas, the, the, the red seas of your life. you got to believe that there's a victory on the other side of that screaming giant. You got to believe that those Jericho walls can fall without your effort at all. Just keep praising God, keep obeying God, and keep walking, and watch God tear down strongholds.
You got to believe and know what you believe. I've tried to remind myself of that. You know, I was telling Garrett this morning, I'm finding myself when I'm in my truck right now, just literally taking my version app of the Bible. How many of you have version downloaded on your phone? All right, if not, you can get every version of the Bible on version, and you can get it audible for free. Favorite number, free. There's no excuse. The Bible can be in your pocket 24-7. And so I am the king of driving down the road in silence. And I've learned this, that in the silence, especially now, my mind can easily go down the rabbit hole of anxiety or hurt or feelings. So I play the Bible in the background. And sometimes I'm tuned in listening, but all of a sudden, I don't know if you've got this kind of faith too, have you ever been praying and in the middle of your prayer, your mind start wondering to the problem instead of to the solution that you're talking to? And all of a sudden, I'll find myself going to that hurt place and then, whoa, 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 wait a minute, bring it back to the Word of God. It's easier to bring it back to the Word of God when the Word of God's playing. Does that make sense? It's easy to bring it back to worship when worship is playing. It's going to be hard to get out of a hole of hurt and loneliness with country music. And I'm not trying to tear down country music. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying what you allow in is going to influence you. And especially in times of weakness, you need to get the right things in. Consistency in what you believe in ministry is important. And then that brings to the consistency of how we are in every circumstance. Got it? All right. We're not going to make it through this. Number two, look at this. Verse number six, he says, we prove ourselves. And here's a list. By our number two on your list, number one in this one, purity. I, I, I taught the youth on Wednesday and I said, um, how can a young man stay pure? And then I asked the question, what does pure mean? Because most of the time when we talk about purity, we immediately go to sexuality. And when we get to sexuality, we forget about everything else. And we think that when God's talking about being pure, that he's only talking about our sex lives. But let's be honest, all right? And I, I want to put this in, in peace. God talks about your tongue way more than he talks about any other organ in your body. Any other organ. Way more. He talks about taming this and keeping this. He talks about your mind way more than your sexual being. Understand this. He's saying these two things are directly going to influence your life. Where your mind is, your mouth is. Where your mouth is dictates the course of your life. From the abundance of a heart, the mouth speaks. It doesn't mean that the mouth means what it says. It just might mean, you say, well, uh, the Bible says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, so everything you say is true. No. Sometimes hurt can make you say something that's not true. So everything that comes out of your mouth is not necessarily true, but it represents a feeling or an emotion or a hurt or a missing link in the heart. How many of you got this? If you got a hurting heart, hurtful things are going to come out. It doesn't mean that you necessarily mean the hurtful things. They're still going to come out. And so I think a lot of times in our lives, we're like, oh, he meant it. He said he wanted a divorce. No, he didn't. He was backed into a corner, didn't know what to say. You were winning the fight. He had nothing in his arsenal. So he came out swinging with the only word he knew that would shut you down. And in his heart, does it mean he wants to leave you? No. But Satan immediately joins that word with thought and starts saying, oh, he's been thinking about leaving you. No, in that moment, he just doesn't know what to do, and so he goes to the worst thing possible. You know, um, I've learned this. A lot of people throw the word suicide around. Now, I never take it lightly because you never know when it's meant. By the way, let me put this in your notes. If someone is continually talking about suicide, 911. Put that in your notes. 911. No option. 
No, no second chances. I'm going to kill myself. Nine, one, one. You say, well, I believe God can help them through. Yes, nine, one, one is going to be part of the way that God uses to help them through. You say, but what if they don't mean it? They won't play that card again. What if they do mean it? You won't wake up with guilt tomorrow. You following me? Then you minister and you do everything you can, but I, I, I have found this to be true, that there's certain times in physical life that you need help. And if that's true of the physical body, how much more true of the spiritual body? Hey, you say, well, what do I do when I don't know what to say? Ready? The 911 of the emotional need of somebody's life is a four-letter word. When you don't know what to say, pray. Grab their hand and say, let's pray. And you know, oftentimes my prayer in those moments sounds like this. God, I have no clue what to ask of you right now. I have no way to know how they're feeling. I have no way to give any hope outside of your promises are true. You hear us in our affliction. Your ear is not closed. Your hand is not short. You can hear. You can save. Meet us here. I lay this right in front of your throne. I believe that's already working in the areas I cannot see. See, I think sometimes we pray thinking we got to find the words they need to hear. Sometimes you just need to pray with the only words you know and only things that are true and just say, hey, God, you know what? I am hopeless without you, powerless without you in this situation. You know, sometimes my prayer is, Jesus, I need you, and that's all I got. God, I need to see you, and that's all I got. Hey, we need comfort. They lost their loved one. God, you've lost one too. Comfort you. I like to imagine, have you ever thought, what did the angels do when God turned his back on Jesus Christ? I believe immediately there was comfort in heaven. There was a, a, a surrounding of God. And you say, well, where's that in the Bible? I'm, it's not. I just know this. The Bible says in Corinthians, in all our trouble, so that we can comfort others with the same comfort we've been given of God. By the way, can I tell you this right now? You don't know how to comfort someone until you've been to the comforter. You don't know how to give hope until you have found hope. And I don't know about you, but my only hope, the only comfort, the only solace I have is God has never lied, never will, never changes, and everything he said will happen. So we lean in. Purity does not simply mean that I'm behaving sexually. I asked one of the kids, it's so profound in what they said. I said, what is purity? And they said, it means that it is the same throughout. What a word. It's consistent all the way through. So let's look at this. They gave me this illustration of gold. How many of you have ever gotten plated? Anybody like that? What's that mean? It's only on the outside. The inside is a totally different substance. Does it have the typical strength of gold? Can it break? Can it flake? Can it chip? Can it eventually turn? The truth is, is if it's plated, it means it has a symbolism and it still has value. But it doesn't have the endurance and durability as solid. And if it's solid gold, that means it's gold all the way to the innermost part all the way to the outermost part. Impurity, simply defined by one of our teenagers and very wise in what they said, is being the same all the way in as you appear to be on the out. 
That what I believe on the inside is what makes its way out. That we're not pretending and not fake. That we love God inside. We love God thoroughly. Man sees the outward appearance. That's the plated. But God sees the what? The heart. That's the core. And pure means, hey, I don't want to just be this in action. I want to be this in belief. I don't want to just act like I love the Lord. I want to believe it. I don't want to just act like I love people. I want to actually love them. I don't want to be a person that looks at you and says, hey, I love you. Good to see you. And then forgets about you every other day of the week. All right. Here's the thing. If we're a true, pure church, we want God to be known more than anything. God to be experienced more than anything. And we are going to pour him out no matter what, no matter where. And we are more interested in how much you receive God today. Experience God today. Obey God today and conform to God today than we are interested in how many of you are sitting in our seats today. We are more interested in you becoming a part of a faithful walk with God than you becoming a faithful member of Grace Community Church. We are more interested in are you going to heaven than will you go to church with me? We are more interested in where you will spend eternity and then what you can bring and gain to our lives now. We're more interested in what from the word of God is going to get put into your life today than how much you're going to put into an offering plate. We are more concerned with your walk and talk and belief system in God than we are anything else. More than a building, more than a project, more than anything we do. We want to see God made known in your life, come real in your family, and change you from the inside out. Because a person that experiences the love of God will change totally. As opposed to someone who just it, it hears about it or feels it. I tell people all the time that come to me and they say, well, I know I gave my heart to Christ, but I don't feel saved. Salvation's not a feeling. Get that out of your head. I had one girl come up to me after a youth conference about 14 years ago. She said, Pastor Josh, I'm lost. I said, sweetie, I was there the day that you gave your heart to Jesus Christ. What happened? Did you not understand? Oh, no, I understood. Did you not fully accept? Did you not believe? Did you not? What, what, what happened? No, no, no. I believe. I accept. I, he's God. But man, they were standing up there giving their testimonies about how when they got saved, they had this feeling rush over their body and tingles go through them. And I didn't have that happen. That didn't happen to me. I must not have got saved. And I said, sweetie, I'll take your story over theirs any day. Because the truth is, God's not a feeling. And the moment we make him a feeling, we are in trouble. God is a reality. And the moment we accept his reality, we are stable. The wise man builds his house on what? A rock. And when the rains come and the winds blow, he's able to stand. A foolish man builds his house on what? The sand. And when the winds blow and the rains come, what happens? It falls. Hey, I'd rather you believe in God in your core than to throw a hand up in the air, dance around and act like you do and not have anything real inside you. I'd rather you hit an altar with a total abandonment and forgetting about anybody else in the room than to hit an altar wondering what people think. I'd rather see one person committed to God, totally sold out, that's ready to love him, serve him, witness and do that, than to have a church of a thousand people who 999 just are putting on a show and coming to a social club. I'd rather worship with someone who has nothing but Jesus than to worship with someone who is loaded without him. I'm telling you now, we need people that understand, is my love for God pure or do I just want a genie in the bottle? Do I just want a ticket into heaven or do I truly love the one 
who madly loves me. I'm telling you now, if it's pure, it's not changeable. If it's pure, it's got strength, endurance. It will last and it will withstand the test of time. You know, I believe a lot of people in the last days will turn from their faith because they didn't have a pure one to start with. They, they, they love their churches, but not their Lord. And we don't want you to ever be a church that's in love with grace. We want you to be a church of the living King of Kings, Lord of Lords, who's in love with your heavenly Father and thankful for his Son and obeying his Spirit. Are you pure? Are you pure? From the inside out, have you decided you're following Jesus, no matter what, no turning back, right? No turning back. The cross before you, world behind you. I like it. little thing I would tweak to that verse is, let's get beyond the cross to the empty grave. Yes, I'm thankful my sins died, but I'm thankful my Savior rose. Amen. And I'm thankful I can get back up, you can get back up too, and every person we meet on the face of the planet has a chance of getting back up. I tell you what, the people that are pure in what they believe are the ones that believe in what God can do in other people's lives. I believe it, because I've seen it. As David would say, I've tasted the Lord, and he is good. Anybody else in here say me too? I've tasted him, he's good. How many of you have tested the Lord and found him faithful? Anybody tried the Lord? And found him resilient? In other words, have you ran from him and found that you can't I mean, have you cursed him and found his love has no depth, no height, and no end? Have you tried to even make God mad at you only to find that he never leaves, he never forsakes? Have you been the prodigal only to find that the father was watching, waiting, and willing to restore you at the moment you return? Have you tried the Lord and found he can't be shaken. God is good today. Anybody say amen to that with me? And if we truly believe that, we'll find our consistency. We'll also build out our purity. Maybe the prayer today needs to be, God, there are things in my heart and my mind that have allowed to become focuses of my worship. Can I tell you, your worry can be your worship. Your stress points can be your worship. The pile of bills can become a worship. I mean, all these things can so easily creep in. Now, one thing I have found is that there's a lot of lives that I've met that never been addicted to drugs, never been addicted to alcohol, never been addicted to pornography or sexual sin, but they are addicted to pain and they cannot get off of it. They are, woe is me, my life will never get better, and this is how hard it is. Listen, life's going to hurt, and I'm not saying the pain's going to go away, but I'm saying this. Paul said, hey, we have been forsaken, we've been beaten, we have been starved, we have been worked to exhaustion, we have been all these things, but we are faithful. We're pure. We're pure in the things that we do. And maybe the heart needs to be, God, um, give me the courage to, to work on this grief. Give me the courage to, to not live in a woe is me or victim mindset. Satan loves to keep us in a victim mindset. The world's against you. No, the world's against Jesus. You just happen to be caught in the crossfire. The world hates him. Satan hates him. 
and you look like him. In the image of an almighty God. Invaded by the spirit of the almighty God. Empowered by the promises of an almighty God. With legions of angels at the voice of God's command. Totally at your disposal. A powerful generation. Raised to conquer. Raised to move. Raised to reach others in the name of Jesus Christ. You are a royal generation. You are sons and daughters of an almighty God. The creator of all. An alpha and omega who has no end. You and I are a threat to all the strongholds and lies that the enemy wants to pour out into the lives of others. And Satan wants you to be an exodus mindset to where you believe you're weak and slaves to people who are scared of the power that you have. If they knew how powerful they are, they would join us. So let's make their lives harder. That's the anthem of hell towards you. But the anthem of God towards you is you are free. Set free by a truth that there's a God that loves you. Set free by a truth that he'll never leave you or forsake you. Set free by a son who died and secured you. You have been made free in God. And all things, all things will work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And Satan wants you walking around me when God's wanting you to walk around saying not me not here not now I'll be the proof of God a living testimony of God and even when it's hard I'll stay pure in my belief and even though it's difficult I'll stay consistent in ministry we will stand no matter what because giants fall at his command and waters part at his words and today he has not changed so why are we changing what we believe based on the evidence we've seen he's he's pure Matter of fact, these words, be ye holy, for I am holy. That's not a performance-based verse. You know what God's saying? It's not saying, you better be this because this is what I am. God's not walking around saying, you're carrying my family name. You represent, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, you can be this because it's who I am. And I'm with you. You can do this because that's who I am. And I like how Moses, who sent you? You tell him, I am that I am sent me. You know what he was saying? A God who's consistent and true has empowered me to stand before you and say, the I am is who I am. Because it's what he says, I am. He's pure so I can be pure. He's consistent, so I can be consistent. He's faithful, so I can be faithful. You say, you don't know how dirty I am. I don't care how dirty you are. I know how clean God can get you. Yeah. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. I know what God wants to do. And though your sins be white as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Monday night, that's what we talk to our teenagers about. The Bible says, come let us reason together. How many of you have heard that verse? How many of you heard it preached that that's why we should get together to reason? But the Bible says the reasoning that God's wanting to do is he's wanting to, to settle in your mind. That's where the, if your sins are as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. That's Isaiah. It goes further. Now, let's get together and talk and figure this out. In the NLT, it uses this translation, and I love it. Come, let's settle this. And we had our kids write down on paper, and I'm not going to go into it. I asked them a few questions. What's your biggest struggle? What's your biggest fear? 
Then I ask them, what's the solution to that struggle? What's the solution to that fear? Because we don't want them to stay trapped in woe is me. We want them to seek the solution of it. And then we said, how many of you got some things in your life that you need to take up the solution? Boom. Settle it. Right here, right now, settle it. And I'm telling you right now, we need a church, a generation that roils up says, and raises up to say, I want to be the proof of the existence of God, the reality of God. And if that's going to be the case, then we need some minds that are settled, that are made up and realizing that I am something totally different in Christ than I could ever be on my own. He is my defender. He is my fortress. He is my refuge. He is my promise. He is my salvation. He's my hope for now. He's my hope for the future. He is my heaven. He is my everything. Settle it. And if you settle it, your life will become proof of who God is. Settle it. So no matter who you are, where you are, there's a God madly in love with you. Let's be pure. And let's stop right there. Point two of 12. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and no one turn around. No one look around. Don't move. Take a moment. I'm going to ask Glenn to just come play that hymn. I have decided to follow Jesus. <laughs> No turning back, no turning back. Now she softly plays that. I want you to search your hearts and search your lives. What needs to be settled in it today? If you're lost, let's settle your salvation. Today's the day. Do you believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for your sins, rose again on the third day, sits on the right hand of God? Having conquered your sins, death, hell, and the grave, if you believe that today, have you confessed that today? Have you made it known? The Bible says if we confess with our mouths, openly declare the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Have you accepted heaven's gift? Right there where you sit today, if you've never accepted, made it known, would you settle it? And in the quietness of this moment, you don't need me to lead you in a prayer. It's as simple as saying, God, I give you my heart. I trust your word. I need your salvation. Whatever the need, you say, well, I just need to be saved. Tell him, settle it. He'll do it. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the home you're sitting in, watching online, in the car you're listening in, driving down the road, in the church you sit in, nothing matters right now. If your heart's not his, give it to him and take the salvation he has for you. Settle it. Now, how many of you say, God, it's settled. I know I'm saved. But I need some stability in my life. God, I need some consistency. I need some stability in mind. I need my faith to be settled. God, I've decided to accept you as Savior, but whoa, I need to let you be Lord and lead my life and guide it. Is there anybody in the room today that say, join me, God, help my consistency. Would you slip your hand in the air? Help my consistency. A more consistent walk, a more consistent ministry, a more consistent belief system, a more consistent way of living, a more consistent life, a more consistent mindset. Take your hands down. What about this? Anybody, whether online or in the house, say, God, I want to be real from the inside out. I want to be true to you through and through, solid, able to endure able to be tested and tried, a resistor of temptation, a, a person able to stand on the word of God. God, I want to be pure. Is there anybody like that? Slip your hand up in the air and say, God, make me pure from the inside out, through and through, all the way. Make me pure. Wow, a lot of hands. Amen. Amen.
Don't be the Sunday morning worshiper and the weekend partier. Sunday morning worshiper and the person that can have fun the right way in Jesus name still a worshiper of God what would happen if we didn't have to come into our devotion settings and into our churches with a lot of regret from the week instead we could come with a lot of celebration of the things that we have seen God would that radically change who we are absolutely God make us pure is settled in heaven settle it in my heart Engrave it in my mind so that my life would reflect the truths of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me, let's sing it. Y'all know it, right? Ready? I have decided, come on, to follow. Take it. Decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. We wrote a little chorus to this song that says like this. Ready? I give myself to you, cause you you gave yourself for me, and I'll I live my life for you, cause you you lived your life for me, and I. Give myself to you Cause you You gave yourself for me And I'll I'll live my life for you Cause you Oh you lived your life for me And oh 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 oh, We've decided to go Sing it with me And oh sing this and then we'll close in prayer ready though none go with me still I even if you're the only one if you're the believing wife with an unbelieving husband you're gonna go we're gonna believe in what God can do in the hearts of our children no turning back no turning back no turning back Grab somebody's hand. Let's close in a word of prayer. Aren't you thankful for a God to us? Amen. I hope your hearts are pierced today like mine has been. Maybe challenged today. Maybe some surrendering today. Some self-work. That's why, hey, there's small groups you can get involved into. Life groups you can get going. They, they announced today the launch of a special needs life group. If you are a family with special needs, wow, this is a great avenue for you. Or if you know of someone, 93% of families that have special needs and it can't go to church anywhere. 93%. So one of our prayers, by the way, little glimpse of the future, when Miss Whitney had the vision of the building and the, the children's church starting, our vision that we had started to grow even more real in our minds that maybe one day this building consistently turns into a special needs building, not just capturing the autism and, and, and the spectrum kids, but also wheelchair accessible and, and, and being able to 
work on special needs and integration. What an awesome opportunity. But here, can I tell you this right now? And I'm going to say this. Whitney might get the loudest amen that we've ever had out of her. Ready? Here it is. We will never be able to move forward into the vision God has given us until we're consistent in the calling he's already gave us. Until we get stable in teachers and people that are passionate about the 70 plus children that come every Sunday, forget the future. Until you're willing to be ready right here, right now. 